Hey folks, welcome to the podcast. This is Matt. And this is Dalton. And we are in the same room. First time ever. I, th- I mean, not the first time we've ever been in the same room. But we're, we're about a foot and a half apart, which is kind of, you know. Uh, it, I'm feeling a little awkward I right was going to say lovely, but. Fine. Yeah. You can have that. Uh, you're looking healthy. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Dalton, do you remember in seminary, I think we were in the same Old Testament class, weren't we? We were. Dr. Peterson? Yeah. That it was probably the first week or second week of class and one gentleman stood up. I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah. And said, this is seminary. We should be talking about Jesus. Why aren't we talking about Jesus in this class? So what I thought you were going to say was uh, when I think the same person stood up and said, but what about the dinosaurs? Was it the same person? I think it was the same guy. They don't talk about dinosaurs in seminary. They really don't. What else don't they talk about? (laughs) So this is what we're talking about today, things they did not teach us in seminary. The list could be a mile long, uh, but we're going to try to keep this uh, listenable. Um, I'll tell you, the first thing on my list that I always think about is uh, they did not teach us HR in seminary. They did not teach us human resources. And my... Lord, does that eat up so much time? Um, it's just the the, the 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 dynamics of hiring and firing take up more time than almost anything else I can think of, at least in terms of that that individual project. Has that been your experience? Yeah, they just kind of throw you in. So, I mean, if you get your appointment and you're right at a seminary, they just kind of throw you out there, and you have to learn how to manage a staff on your own, which that was something I had no clue how to do. Um, I think the first appointment, I had to fire two people, which that was the first time I'd ever done something like that. Yeah. Um, Which was awkward, to say the least. Well, I mean, firing people is always awkward, right? But, like, I remember before, I I have now done it more than I would like to admit, but um, I remember before I did it for the first time, like, it's all I thought about for, like, a week. Mm-hmm. Like it just ate everything up because I didn't understand. I mean, I knew what I needed to do and I knew how to do it. And I had conversation with people who knew how to do it, but I had never done it before and didn't really even understand what I was doing. Did you practice in the mirror? I think probably, probably. Yeah, I, uh, that was I watched a lot of the apprentice, uh, helpful, helpful advice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I, I, I didn't, I had trouble like, starting the conversation i think i practiced like my first sentence like how do you lead into that yeah like i'm sorry we i think the first time i think i said like this is not going to be a fun conversation <laughs> oh you just go ahead and and you yeah know, lower just, the expectations right away yeah like there will not be ice cream involved yeah you got something on your face by the way yeah uh, right. <laughs> um learning how to be a good boss i think is something i don't think anybody really ever masters but is is I mean it takes up a decent portion of my time. Yeah. yeah. Well, of course it does. And, and here's why I think it would be a helpful. Not everything we say is practical to include in seminary curriculum, but but there are several reasons I think this is. One is it really does take up so much time. But also I, I think that there are there are things about the process of hiring and firing and managing employees that translate even to churches. Uh, that don't have staff mm. because what every church has is people. And yeah. if you, uh, if you can learn to manage, uh, staff, 
what you're learning to do is managing people, and the job of the pastor is to uh, maybe manage isn't the right word, but lead. And if you don't have folks following you, then uh, you're not doing your job. Well, some of that is like just people skills, dealing with people. Yeah. And that's something that, unfortunately, some pastors have a hard time with. Yeah. They're, they're not people people, people. and yeah. so they have a hard time. Well, and I was going to say, too, you know, we did have pastoral care in seminary, and certainly right. you can draw a line from yeah. from that to some of this stuff. But, um, and I kind of feel like you know, ha- we had what one pastoral care class, yeah. maybe. Yeah. I mean, I feel like maybe sometimes that there should have been a whole year of our. Because, yeah. I mean, how, how much of your time is spent doing that? Yeah, fair amount. I mean, in talking with people and just... All of my time y- yeah, is spent exactly. in communicating with people. Now, yeah. maybe not pastoral care in the traditional sense of, like, how do you go see people in the hospital? But that's not what we really learned. What we learned was family systems and how folks relate to one another and how to how to, how to to deal with them. Well, yeah, just dealing with people in general, which I yeah. guess is a life skill. And, and to a degree, you know, if if... If you can't talk to people, then I'm not sure that's something you can learn. But um, And you probably ought not be in the clergy, not that that stops folks. Well, uh, case in point. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, in the, in the quantum physics class, like, why do we have to learn that? I mean, what a waste of time that I mean, was. I'd use it 5% of the time. Yeah. But, I mean, seriously, it served me no, no good whatsoever. Well, uh, maybe we could have had a class on budgets instead. That would have been helpful. It's boring. Well, yeah, it is, says the guy recording this podcast after a two-and-a-half-hour finance committee meeting last night. <laughs> How'd that go? Uh, it was two-and-a-half hours. I mean, but, but in all seriousness, uh, the, the, thing, <laughs> the thing about pastoral ministry is that when you're not dealing with people, you're dealing with money. Um, or at least uh, resources. Maybe not money's right. And and like to be clear, um, there are boundaries about money that I think are helpful. I don't touch it, I, but I'm clear about it. I know about it. I have to know where it's going and if it's not coming in um, and how to put a budget together. I never had done that before uh, uh, going into seminary. And even uh, folks who come to seminary from a church, uh, from a business Background have never put a church budget together, mm. which is its own animal. Mm. Um, now, this is related to the people skills thing because, uh, boy, is there no better way to make somebody angry than to axe their favorite program. Um, but, but you've got to know how to work the money and work people. Um, and I don't mean that pejoratively. You just, I mean, it's something we, I don't remember learning anything about, actually. I think my sort of, uh, Advice with working with a budget is just to put your glasses on and look really intently at a paper and just kind of nod and tap, act tap like your, you know what you're doing. Tap a pencil against your temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and just going mm-hmm, mm-hmm, in the finance committee meeting, and okay. and things will go pretty well. I have cleaned up after pastors like you. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you're right. We we don't get that type of. Um, I mean, we had literally. I mean, I can't think of a seminary class that talked about... I mean, I'm sure there was a conversation about money somewhere down the line, but, I mean, nothing concrete about how to plan or um, vision or or how how that deals with church money or, or a budget or anything like that. Yeah, I work with a fair amount of... a fair number of seminary students now, and um, many of them are taking church administration, which I think is great. That's a class? It's a class, yeah. It's a class at the seminary. Do they have that? 
I don't think they did. And if they did, it was only like a summer thing or like a lifelong learning thing. I don't think we. I don't remember that in the course catalog. Mm-mm. Otherwise, I probably would have taken it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it does sound boring, but <laughs> it. I mean, in retrospect, it is pretty. Yeah, pretty valuable. I so. say. Um, did you feel you got a lot of um, leadership or, or folks telling you how to, to lead a congregation or to be a leader? Um, no. I mean, the first day of my first appointment, I was dealing with those challenges. And they really don't teach leadership. I mean, unless you've talked with the seminary students now and they offer it. I, I think they do a better job. And I think this is a, a part of, well, I, I teach contextual education, like I lead a group at the seminary uh, here. And that's a big part of what we do. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think through. I mean, some of that is is uh, is curriculum based. Some of that is just me um, because I think it's important, and I don't feel like students necessarily get it elsewhere. Well, I mean that. I mean, and that makes. I mean that that con ed piece. I mean that that seems to be the vehicle through which you get some of that practical experience. Right. You have, a clergy person or someone ahead of an organization who sits at the table with you and says, um, everything you've learned in the classroom, that's great, but let me tell you what it's like to run a church. Yeah. I mean, it was the last time you got into a deep theological discussion about systematic theology with one of your church members. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's useful and I'm glad to know it, but I mean, yeah. the bulk of your time is not doing that. Right. I mean, it's important. It's important framework and, yeah. and things to build on. But, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. Maybe I forget about that con ed piece. Maybe that was a good vehicle for a lot of this stuff. It, it was. I have to think that it, it could. And maybe again for the United Methodists in the room, this is some of this practical stuff is is to be done sort of on site while you're learning during the provisional process. But um, I, I do have to think that there's a way, if not to, to, to reorient um, seminary curriculum more practically, because I'm not sure that's the right answer, to at least make sure that when we talk about systematic theology or, or, or when we talk about the, the history of Methodism, we don't leave it in the clouds, right? Like we mm-hmm. bring it back, we bring it down, we set it on the table, we say, what does this look like in the day-to-day life of, of being involved in faith or in church? Yeah, and probably one of the best things they've done in terms of the ordination process is that two-year, it used to be three. That's three still here, here? in Georgia. Yeah. Okay, and we've, we've shortened it to two. Yeah, that jerk. That, yeah. <laughs> that little gap to let you go through some of that stuff before you go t- to ordination. Well, and, and a lot of this too, um, you know, you don't stop learning when you get your MDiv. You have not actually mastered the divine. Um, a lot of this, I think, uh, is incumbent upon uh, the judicatory, and in our case, the bishop and the district superintendents, to make sure to um, appoint new pastors in places where they can learn and honestly where they can mess up because that's the place. I mean, when I mess up is when I'm most... Uh, when I most learn. So I think um, it's not like seminary is the end-all, be-all here. You learn, but you hope that you get what you need to launch uh, when you do graduate. Yeah, and and I don't know how to to put this really. I kind of wish somebody had told me, and again, this relates to the people skills, how to um, be a better liar. (laughs) <laughs> Does that make sense? Um, how, how to graciously and and sometimes soothe over people. 
I don't know how to put that, but do you know what I mean? I don't, like, and like, I'm hoping you're going like, to draw this out a bit. L- l- okay, let's say somebody comes in right. to your office and right. says, hey, Dalton, listen, um, in our missions budget, um, you know, I saw you at the finance meeting, and you were shaking your head with everything that was said, and you know, I saw your pencil. I really think in our missions budget, we need to um, put in a line item to buy ice cream for everybody in our zip code. And you have to sound like you're interested and sound like this may be a good idea for 20 minutes while they're talking with this okay. and then calmly put them down Okay. and maybe say, oh, I'll take a look at that. Or right. to say, I mean, I get the type of person you are. You may just say, that's a horrible d- <laughs> That's the worst thing I've ever. So here's how I would say that maybe a little. Uh, I mean, would you call it lying? What would you call I, it? I'd call it validation. Okay. To, how, to, how to validate people um, and uh, validate not necessarily their ideas because not everybody. I mean, I have bad ideas. Everybody has bad ideas. But more um, to validate their passion and their faith. And to find ways, like acceptable and helpful ways, to let them live that faith out even if it's not the most um, effective way. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, sort of. But, I mean, in a, in a church setting, it's different because you, you are seen as the person who is attempting to motivate or at least help somebody, a congregation member, on their journey to being more like Jesus. And so, I mean... Above and beyond just being a people person, I mean, you're a motivator, and then yeah. when someone comes to you with something that seems really passionate to them, to be able to kind of redirect them or to, um, you know, validate what they have to say and then push them in a different direction is probably important as well. I think so. I mean, it 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 it, it, it takes a lot of vulnerability for somebody to bring an idea, um, especially something they're really passionate about. Um, and, and those ideas are fragile. Faith can be fragile. So we've got to find a way to nurture it while not letting those bad ideas run the place. Because I've seen that happen, too, with pastors who aren't willing to have backbones saying, ice cream for everybody. And it just, it's a nightmare. What's the worst pitch you've ever gotten for an idea? Oh, Do you know? I don't have to think about that because I've gotten some bad ones. Really? Yeah. I, I think mine was one of the older congregation members he brought me a Kinko FedEx gift card, like a hundred or two hundred dollars, and he told me that it was his tithe, so we could go and pepper the neighborhood with flyers on everybody's door. Okay, to invite them to to our church. Okay, yeah. Um, I I remember a conversation about clowns at one point, and I've locked the rest of it out, but I do remember that clowns, clowns, to get the of kids which I am of which I am terrified. Yeah. yeah, and this was a grown woman. Yeah, <laughs> people in the church, certainly people outside the church, but even people in the church don't really understand what the church is, and so they feel like they should, if somebody shows up looking for food, that they should just give them food without thinking about any of the ramifications there. Now, I mean, I think scripture's pretty clear, right? Like when you were, when I was hungry, you gave me food. Um, that was Jesus. But um, at the same time, we don't ask the questions because we're not really sure how we should interact with folk and what it means to be a church in a community. Um, that's a fundamental identity question 
Um, and maybe there's different answers in different contexts, which is why there's no one size fit all one size fits all thing we picked up in seminary. But it, it's it's more of an issue uh, in my day to day ministry than I thought it would be helping the church understand what it is. I wonder how many seminary grads are appointed to a dying church. All of them. Well, I mean, I mean, like, what do you think? Seventy five percent. Uh, unless they're appointed as associate Associate somewhere else. Yeah. I've been a part of a congregation who was teetering on dying, and then we we got lucky in some other things. But, I mean, that that conversation about how a dying church can once again yeah. become relevant in a community. Yeah. Like, how how what is the church's impact going to be um, aside from giving out flyers and evangel cubes or whatever <laughs> in this local community. Yeah. And I, I certainly didn't get any of that. No. Know, and, and, and even more than the flyers bit, I mean, I've seen it more often the other way, which is that the church, uh, thinks that it should create good people, which actually has very little to do with Christianity, but, but struggles with, what it means to do evangelism in a healthy way. Uh, it just, uh, now we did get some of that in seminary and I'm grateful for it, but, um, in, in terms of helping the church understand that you don't just go and evangelize and that's your whole thing, or you don't just go and serve marginalized populations and that's your whole thing. There's a, there's a, a, a tension between the two that the church is called to live in. Yeah. I, I mean, the church is dying. And so it's probably good to know how to care for a dying congregation. And if a congregation is like past the point of, you know, bringing back yeah. then maybe how to close a church. Maybe. Yeah. That's a, that would be helpful because uh, that's going to happen more and more. Yeah. Definitely. Um, or, or let me say it maybe a little more positively finding ways to transform declining congregations into new, ways of doing ministry that don't look like the old ways, or just care, care for care for members of a dying congregation and find new ways to motivate them and to or, or fi- helping them find another home to live out their calling i guess yeah that's important and so is so is the transformation process in the new models of ministry i mean this is one of the things i talk about a lot with my contextual education students the church is changing and the, they're on the leading edge of it they're going to have to find new ways of doing ministry or we're all screwed, Mm. you know? And I don't know that the church can, the seminary can teach you something that doesn't exist yet, but it at least can teach you how to, how to, uh, how to try new things, um, how to implement new ideas, how to innovate. Yeah. And, and I mean, and I think I've said this before on another episode, but you know, if, if you're fresh out of seminary and you get appointed to a dying church, just the message that it can't get any worse than this. Just try whatever and uh, see what stick. Like, what yeah. have you got to lose? Yeah. Instead of just trying to toe the line and impress the DS or the bishop, like, just just go for it yeah. and see what happens because the alternative is they're going to they're gonna close anyway. Yeah. So you might as well do something with this year or two years you have before this church closes yeah and just giving them motivation and license to say i'm just going to take this and run with it yeah because i have absolutely nothing to lose here yeah um i guess other than appointment but well i mean 
got got to be somewhere, right? Yeah. So let me ask this: What did you feel like you learned in seminary that was helpful? It was it was comforting for me to hear the professors sometimes say, "I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know how to deal with that. Huh. I, I don't know how I could teach you to do that." And and just to know that. I mean, and just just to admit what we're talking about, you can't learn everything you that you have to know in a course of um, three years to go out into a church and, and be effective. Yeah. I mean, there seminary is great for a lot of things. Yeah. And and I'm I mean, I, I frequently hark back to those years, you right. know, and and uh, you know, I miss sealing those those wheelie bags. And, <laughs> And and uh, being frustrated when the professor is trying to teach um, a six-year-old how to write a paper, but but I mean you can't learn everything in that short concentrated time. And just to hear people say, "Listen, I've got a PhD. I can't teach you how to do that stuff. You're going to have to go out and have your own experience." Here's what I've learned. Yeah. Here's what I've done. But um, it's okay not to know, and it's okay to kind of live in this space of ambiguity. I don't know how to put that in no, a precise way. I mean, I think that's what we're talking like that's the whole thing here. Actually, that's kind of a nice summary um, because I mean, at least my point here isn't that seminary curriculum needs to drop the the theology and include human resources and um, administration and leadership. I mean, those things are important. I do think that they um, are being included in seminary curricula more, but the whole the whole idea of seminary isn't to train um, robots who then go out and you know do leadership according to some formula. The whole point of seminary is to give you the theological underpinnings to be able to go and do something that's extraordinarily important and extraordinarily difficult but that often you just have to learn by doing and to give you the skill set you need in order to be able to do that. Is that fair? I think so. I was trying to remember, do you remember your first sermon or like your first sermon after seminary? Yeah, I think I do. I don't, but I remember it being horrible. Yeah, that's kind of what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just remember thinking I knew a good deal about stuff and then quite clearly just looking out in the congregation and you know, nobody was making eye contact or not in their yeah. head. Like I was yeah. just going way over their heads. Well, I would, I would try to imitate other preachers. Yeah. And so uh, it, it, it took me a while of living in the ministry to develop my own voice and my own style. And you can't pick that up from a book. You just have to do it. And you only get one preaching class. This is another thing, too. Yeah. I mean, you spend a good bit of time doing that stuff, too. Yeah. It may. Um did they teach any sort of like social media etiquette in seminary? No, you know the the thing I, I've I've often joked about is that if there were one class that I think every seminary should add, it would be graphic design. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. This I did because it's it, this communications business. No, we 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 are old now, and we're we had Facebook in seminary, but it was still nascent. I think. Yeah, Face, Facebook was a vehicle to see who was single. And uh, and now it's become a place where your parents write strange things on your your walls and all caps on other people's photos that they think yeah. that 
are you? I, I don't I don't get on anymore. I just don't. I, I, it just takes up way too much time that I could be doing something else. But um, my parents like it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, so they don't teach anything like that. Uh, not that I'm aware of. Um, uh, hostage negotiation? No, but that would be super helpful. Yeah. Um, it would have got me out of the two and a half hour meeting, probably. <laughs> um, have you got anything else? No. Uh-uh. I don't. It was good. It's good to do this in person. It was, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll probably do that again the in the first next time four after or five years. How many episodes? I think thirty something. It's ridiculous. It's such a waste of time. <laughs> um, yeah, right. You're, you don't get on Facebook, but you do record yeah, yeah, podcasts. Yeah, yeah, Sit, sit and talk and edit podcasts. And we ran into like half of our listenership on the way in here. Actually, Mike Slaughter's in the building. You know Is that? he really? Yeah, walking oh, cool. around in skinny okay. jeans. That's not who I was talking about, but oh, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's walking around with Thomas. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, we have any clue next time what we're gonna? Of course not. Okay. Well. Uh, okay. Well, thanks for listening. It's good to see you. Likewise. Yeah. Uh, we'll make a date for five, six years from now. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. This will make editing a lot easier for sure. I hope so. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, thanks for listening. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. That was an awkward ending. Ha <laughs> ha.